So Money Episode 631, Simon Sinek, motivational speaker, best-selling author, amazing human. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. This is episode 631. Our guest today popularized the concept of why. Very simple three-letter word, why. We use it all the time. He made it famous again. It stemmed from a TED Talk that he gave back in 2009 that has now become the third most watched talk of all time on TED.com. That's pretty incredible. Simon Sinek is on So Money today. This is a huge honor for me. And I will tell you that years ago, I met Simon before he popularized the very simple word, why, repopularized it, I should say. We met in the green room of a talk show or show on MSNBC. We were both on there to talk about small business and entrepreneurship. He was super cool. We exchanged numbers. I never followed up and I'm I'm kind of embarrassed about it because I could have gone on to become like actual friends with Simon Sinek and not just a gawker. But I'm more than just a gawker. I am a true fan. I am someone who deeply admires his work and I'm so excited to see his career come so far. He's touched so many lives. And now he's on the podcast. How about that? How about them apples? Simon's out with a new book. It's called Find Your Why, A Practical Guide for Discovering Purpose for You and Your Team. This is the follow-up to his first book, Start With Why. That was a global bestseller. And in this new book, he's addressing the concerns that come up with why, such as, can you have more than one why? I'll tell you already, he says no. And I was kind of surprised by that. Also cool, during our interview, Simon told me that I asked him a question he's never received. And he liked the question. So obviously that made me feel really cool. And I'm even now more excited to unveil this interview with Simon Sinek. Here we go. Fasten your seatbelts. Simon Sinek, welcome to So Money. You are a very popular person. I was telling folks this week that I was interviewing you and so much fan praise have you gotten over the week? People, oh my God, tell him I say hi. He doesn't know who I am, but I love his work. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you very much. You've made quite the name for yourself and your business. And I was uh, bragging to my friends that I kind of knew you before things really, really, really took off for you. And now you're really a household name. We ran into each other backstage at MSNBC over a decade ago. Um, since then, obviously, the TED Talk has had over 30 million views. You've written multiple best-selling books. Your newest book is called Find Your Why, A Practical Guide for Discovering Purpose for You and Your Team. You're obsessed with why, Simon. Why? Why are you obsessed with why? (laughs) It's a funny story because, you know, I wrote this book a bunch of years ago called Start With Why, and I made the case for the existence of this thing called the why. Um, And the biggest complaint that I got was I buy it, I get it, um, but you don't tell us how to find our why in the book. So eight years later, uh, we finally answered the question. So how do you find your why? 
So this is the thing that I love about this process. So this is the process that we've been doing um, with our own clients that I, that I went through myself back 10 years ago, which put me on this path. You know, it was my own discovery of, discovery of my own why that set me on my path. I think that's one of the things that people don't um, always know, which is I didn't have a career and then sort of like come up with this thing called the why. It was it was I went through a period of, of, of pain where I, I had no fulfillment at work. I hated my job. I didn't want to wake up and do it the next day. And it was the process of trying to rediscover my passion that I discovered this thing called the why. It completely re-energized me. And, and I practiced everything I preached. And I started with why and I communicated what I believed and I attracted people who believed what I believed. And it literally led to the TED talk and it led to all of the, uh, a speaking career and it led to book deals, which none of which I ever imagined. Um, and so what I'm so excited about is, is, um, is, is now even more people can, can learn their why. Um, it, it's one of our goals that every single person in every single organization should, should know their why and coming out with this, this book, um, means for, you know, whatever it goes for on Amazon, you know, 12, $15. I just love that, that, that people can do it. It's just so exciting. So why, and then what's the rest of the question? Is it, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why is this necessarily going to fulfill me? What, what is the exploration behind why? The why is a noun not, uh, rather than a question. It is, it is your why. It is, um, it is the purpose, cause, or belief that, that drives every single one of us. Um, we all have our own why. Um, um, this reason why we do things, it's why we find inspiration and fulfillment in some things and not others. Um, and that is, um, it is, it is, uh, we are capable of putting words to that thing. Um, even though it exists in the part of the brain that doesn't control language, um, the limbic brain, um, we can actually find words just like we can find words to say, I love you, you know, even though that, that feeling exists in the same part of the brain. Um, and what I learned is, is that we, you know, that we are all, we're a product of our, of our upbringing. A, a why fundamentally is an origin story. It's where we come from. We are who we are based on the experiences we have as children. Um, the experiences we have with our, at school and with our parents form us into who we are. And uh, the rest of our lives, our why is fully formed probably by the time we're about 18, 19, maybe a little younger, actually younger. Uh, the youngest person I helped find their why was 16. So let's call it late teens. Um, your why is fully formed. And the rest of your life, the rest of our lives, is an opportunity to live in balance with that why or not. And so um, the process of uncovering one's why, of discovering one's why, is a process of discovery where we, we go through our life experiences, we go through the, 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 the high points and the low post points, and we look for the patterns. And that's exactly what this, this book does. It, it, it takes us uh, through a process that, um, that I started years ago and, and my team built upon and made even better um, uh, and, and lets people uh, go through that process themselves. 16. It's, uh, before your prefrontal cortex has really developed and, and, you know, depending on whether you're a boy or a girl, that could be, uh, a very different path for you. It's not a coincidence then that we say when you're trying to discover what it is you want to do with your life that will be fulfilling, think about your childhood. Yeah. What you know, it doesn't seem connected, right? It's, you you would think you know we and, and and we it's not about see the the thing that I love about this is it's a completely objective process because if I say so tell me the kinds of things you like to do you know or what do you think that you would find fulfilling it's it's very subjective you know we we stress about it try and give the right answer the thing I love about this process is talking about your own childhood or your memories they are how you remember them there's no there's no trying to sort of change them. 
to, to, to change the process one way or another. Um, and and the, the thing that is important is we all have lots and lots and lots of experiences when we're young, um, some good, some bad, but we don't remember everything. We only remember some things. And we usually remember the things that, that for some reason um, resonate with us more than others, that they stick with us. And it's those memories within which we can find the patterns because they matter to us. Those memories matter to us more than others. Can you have more than one why? Can your why change? Is it, is it healthy to change your why over a lifetime? We only have one why and it remains fixed our entire lives. Um, you know, some people say that tragedy uh, changes their why. It does not. Uh, what tragedy does is it gives us an opportunity to actually realize or live our why. I mean, after September 11th, for example, people said my job was stupid and I decided to make a change. Well, the job was always stupid, but, you know, um, you, you sort of you, you, it was put into perspective. Your why came uh, front and center because of the tragedy. Um, and we started making decisions based on that why where previously we didn't. Um, so no, we only have one why and it doesn't change. You know, you can't change who you are. You, you, you may tweak personality quirks or bad habits, but fundamentally you are who you are. Some people I suspect are better at discovering their why than others because some of us are not very good at self-reflection, self-awareness. It's scary sometimes too to admit to yourself what it is that you actually want to be doing, what makes you happy and fulfilled for whatever reason. Again, maybe going back to childhood, your insecurities. How do you get over some of these mind traps and the the, the bad kind of uh, inner thoughts that you have that prevent you sometimes from stepping into your why? Well, the, the process doesn't require that level of, of uh, deconstruction. Um, it's a reporting. We tell stories. Um, uh, we, recommend, we highly, highly recommend that you do it with someone, you do it with a partner, um, because we found that, that the process of being able to talk to someone and have someone listen is actually much more revealing than sitting down and just sort of talking to a tape recorder. You know, um, um, Someone is, is objective and listening to the things you're saying. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's look. If somebody's not interested in finding their why, they're not going to do it. You know, um, clearly, if someone's going to go through this process and buy a book and sit down and go through the hours that it takes to do it, there, there's probably some desire. Um, so it kind of pre-screens, I guess. Um, but uh, it's I, I found it a fascinating process. I, I, we we gave the book out to a few people before it came out to you know just make sure that it works. And some of the stories I've already heard, you know, uh, where two friends did it together. And they were both crying as they revealed to each other and realizing things about each other. And this was even before they got to the why port portion. It was just sort of the, the, the sort of the telling stories of our past portion. I just love that. You know, my, my, my message in general is one of service. You know, I'm a great believer in cooperation. I talk about trust a lot. All of my books are about how we do things better together uh, and how we build teams and how we take care of each other. I mean, that's what all of my work is about. And so even in this process, the thing that I'm most proud of is this is not a solitary experience. It's not buy a book, read a book, go through a, go through a process, but rather it's use the book as a guide to sit down with someone and go through this process. But it, ultimately, you're going to be doing it with someone, and it's an incredibly powerful experience for the two people who will be involved. And and take us further down the road of talking about some of the what's on the other side of this. For you, discovering your why has led to uh, an incredible platform to reach people, help people, books. Uh, but for others, what are some of the immediate benefits, the gifts of being able to step into your why and really embrace it? So in Start With Why, I wrote about it. Uh, I gave it a metaphor that really captures it. So I'll share that metaphor with you. I call it the celery test. Um, 
you know, we're constantly being given advice by all sorts of people, you know, uh, on how we should live our lives or build our businesses or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, many of these people are smart and accomplished and, and worthy of giving us advice. And so I equate it to going to a dinner party and somebody says to you, you know what you need? You need to buy Oreo cookies. I have done so well with Oreo cookies. And somebody else says to you, uh, Kit Kats. It's all about Kit Kats. Um, and yet another person says to you, um, uh, it's not about the Kit Kats. It's about celery. I've done so well with celery. I found happiness and joy from celery. And finally, somebody else says to you, it's rice milk. You've got to use rice milk. And so we take all this perfectly good advice from perfectly smart and accomplished people. And we go to the supermarket, supermarket and we buy Oreos and Kit Kats and celery and rice milk. And we may get uh, some value out of some of these products. We don't know. We spend a lot of time and a lot of money at the, at the supermarket. Uh, and the worst part is when we're standing in line waiting to leave with all of these products in our hands, people are walking past us and no one can see what we believe because we bought everything, right? So now imagine you know your why. Imagine, um, let's say your why is to always be healthy and only do the things that protect the health and integrity of your body. Now the question is, is which products are you going to buy? So which products are you going to buy? The celery. Only the celery, right? The celery and the rice milk. It's the only one that makes sense, right? Right. So you go to the supermarket, you only buy celery and rice milk, you spend less time, less energy at the supermarket, you're guaranteed to get value. And when you're standing in line waiting to buy, uh, uh, waiting to pay rather, somebody walking past can see the celery and rice milk in your arms and they can see what you believe. And they can walk up to you and say, hey, I also believe in health, be, believe in being healthy. Congratulations, you just attracted a client, a job, a friend, an opportunity because people can see what you believe. And here's the best part. Before I made the decision, before, I, before we did anything, simply me communicating what I believe, you knew before I said anything which ones we had to buy. You knew that we had to buy celery even before I said it. Yes. Uh, and that's called scale. And so if you translate that to a company now, organizations that are capable of putting their why into words means they attract employees and they attract uh, customers who believe what you believe and, they're, and those employees are better capable of making the right decisions. If you're an individual, your ability to communicate your why means that you attract friends or partners who uh, are more likely to connect with you. It means when you make decisions for your career or how to decorate your house or whatever it is, you can, you, you can run things through this filter. And so you know, it's, it's no longer a lottery where, you know, sometimes we do something, we quote unquote, find ourselves in the flow. You know, it, it's no longer a, an occasional thing. You can actually do this prescriptively where more often than not, you will find yourself happier and more fulfilled by the work that you do, the people you spend time with, the decisions you make. It's like a shortcut. It's a beautiful shortcut to actually figuring out what you want to do. It's funny you say that. I wouldn't call it a shortcut. I would say what, what we do without it is the long route. Right, this, right. This is the way we should be doing things. This is actually the correct route. And the other thing we do without why is actually circuitous with guessing, pretending it's a lottery. Sometimes we get lucky and sometimes we don't and inefficient. So I think this is actually the, the correct way to live a life or build a business or build an organization rather than the circuitous way most of us unfortunately do it. And it's wasteful. You know, we talk often on this show about, uh, you know, building your best financial life. And I can see how starting with, 
your why, that can also make sure that your the way that you spend, the way that you save, the way that you run your financial life is in alignment with that. And it can get rid of a lot of the unnecessary distractions, financial distractions that we fill up our lives with. Correct. And it makes our, it makes our decisions really confident as well. So other people say, I don't understand why you made that decision because all the data says you should have done X and you chose Y. And we go, we shrug our shoulders and we go, I don't know, it just felt right. Well, now we can actually say in words and actually have great confidence as to why this decision is right for me. You call yourself an unshakable optimist. Was there a time when you weren't and what has inspired this mindset? Because it, it has to, it's conscious. It's not, you don't just, I don't know, maybe you are just born an optimist, but I do think it's something you have to work at. Um, I've always been a pretty happy-go-lucky guy, um, and it was this period ten years ago where I lost my passion that I really started doubting myself so much because I I lost the thing that made me who I thought I was, um, and it was the 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 discovery of my why, the ability to put it into words that supercharged and energized me like I'd never experienced before. So to answer your question, I think I've always been an optimist. I think um, I've become a super optimist, and the more that I have used the why. Um, I've, you know, people have introduced me to people. So my entire career has been an accident. You know, I never set out to be a public speaker. Somebody said, wow, you're so passionate about this thing called the why. Will you come and talk to our organization about it? And I just said, yes. And I never imagined I'd be an author. Somebody said, can I introduce you to a publisher? And I said, sure. And I went and had a meeting with a publisher, you know, and all of the opportunities, all the doors that have been opened um, have been with have been because I, I practice what I preach. I follow to a T everything that I've written about, or at least try really hard to. And, um, and so I think I've become more optimistic because I've seen that positive attitude and focused on one, one's own cause and belief is not only yields good things, but surrounds us with people who are wonderful people who take care of us and watch our backs. And it's, it, makes, it makes it easy to be an optimist when you're surrounded by wonderful, wonderful people. You've also said, which I think is uh, something worth discussing, is these days, especially with so many personal brands and quote unquote experts out there leading the thought leadership community, you don't call yourself an expert. I watched your interview on CBS with Gail King and 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 company, and and um, they concluded that you were an expert. You are not ready to admit that of yourself, but from the outside in, you are very much knowledgeable and, and have expertise, but you can insist on being identified as a teacher. So tell us why that's important. And um, there's a quote that I actually read of yours on uh, Business Insider that said, the best leaders don't consider themselves experts. They consider themselves students. So expand on that for us. Yeah, I consider myself a student, not even a teacher. I consider myself a student. Um, sometimes the student teaches and I embrace that responsibility, um, when it comes up, but, but I am a student. I, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable being called an expert because it assumes I have nothing left to learn. Um, I may be a more advanced student than some, and I think I have a responsibility to share what I'm learning, but I, 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 you know, I avoid saying that I'm right or that I have answers. Rather, I have a perspective and that I'm on a journey and I'm happy and proud to share that journey and what I'm learning along the way that it may help others. Um, and I remain open to what others have to teach me that my own journey um, um, can grow and, 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 and I can and learn more too. So uh, I'm a student. I'm a student of leadership. I'm a student of people. Um, I'm a student of myself. Um, I'm a student of my of relationships. Um, these things fascinate me. Um, um, I'm not interested in everything. I'm interested in, the, in some things and these are some of the things I'm interested in. 
And um, like anybody, um, when you find something you're interested in, you do work to learn about it. Um, uh, and so, yeah, that's uh, it's it's just a journey. And the funny thing is, my books are semi autobiographical. You know, start with why I came out of the loss and rediscovery of my own passion. Uh, Leaders eat last came as my career started to grow. Um, concern that I didn't know who to trust because because there were people who were saying all the right things to me, and I realized they were just working me for a deal or something. And so I, I sort of went on this investigation, had no intention of writing a book, trying to trying to learn trust because I was struggling who to, to know who to trust. And this goes in a work context and sometimes even a personal context. And I happened to be having dinner with my publisher and was telling him what I was learning, you know, and he's like, yeah, I'll publish that. And that became Leaders Eat Last. And, and Find Your Why, same thing. Together is Better was my way of saying thank you to the people who've helped me along the way, knowing that I can't do any of this stuff alone. It takes many people. Um, and now Find Your Why um, is, is, uh, is part of the journey of wanting as many people as possible to learn their why because I know, I know the magic it can provide. And so, you know, we can do these ridiculous things that some uh, organizations do, some people do, where you take your IP and you can sell it for $1,500 for an online course. I'd rather sell it in a book for, you know, $15 or $20, whatever it costs on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any other fine bookseller. You know, whatever they sell it for. Anywhere you like to buy your books. Anywhere you like to buy your books. You know, the um, I would like to say it's available in fine bookstores everywhere and some not so fine ones too. <laughs> um, you are bookstore agnostic. That's I'm, book, I'm bookstore agnostic. So, so for me, it's, it's the realization, it's the realization of a promise, you know, which is we said we wanted to get as many people to learn their why as possible because we know the benefits of it. Like everyone on my team knows it, every single one of us. Um, we did the online course. Um, we do personal workshops um, for companies and things like that. And now, now this is this is really for individuals, entrepreneurs, and uh, and teams within large organizations. You said earlier that you can, as early and young as sixteen years old, identify your why. Take us back to Simon at that age, and what were you doing? What was your passion? And, and connect the dot for us, because I think many of us know where you are today and have followed your your sort of more recent rise to success. But I always love to hear about my guests' beginnings and some of their more uh, influential experiences as children and how that has formed them into interesting adults. So take so, us back to 16. I'm going to avoid the question for a moment and pay you a compliment, uh, which is here I am talking about childhood experiences and patterns. And you're the first person to ever ask me about my own. Really? First one. You're the first one. Wow. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I don't, how do I, so I was a dorky kid. Um, <laughs> No, I'm still a nerd. I'm just an older nerd. Uh, um, I, you know, at the age of 13, I went to space camp. You know, I thought I wanted to be an astronaut. Um, and uh, so, you know, as a as a teenager, what was I like? I was so 16. Where was I? I? Was in high school. So what? That's like junior, sophomore year of high school. SATs, uh, the whole yeah. yeah. I don't so want to go back to. I, I, so if I think back at the time, I was experimenting with being my own person. Um, I remember, you know, I went to high school in America. I went to public school where we all wore jeans and sneakers and t-shirts to school. And I remember starting, I wore, I wore black shoes. I wore, I, wore, I started wearing shoes to school and I was just experimenting. Then I started wearing crazy colored socks and I was experimenting with being myself. Um, and I remember picking fights with my, my sister, my younger sister. We overlapped for two years in high school. She would buy something because everyone else had it. And for me, if everyone else had it, that was a reason not to buy it, you know? Um, and, and so I think that, that for me, I was experimenting 
very delicately dipping my toe into to to being myself and and it came from a relationship i had with my grandfather my grandfather was um was an odd duck um he was totally unique totally an eccentric um and i and i i see a lot of myself in him and i learned from him that you can be weird you know and it was fine and i think i gained the confidence and the desire to be myself from him because i saw him doing it uh, and he was a happy guy. I mean, he sort of had a, he had a love of life and people thought he was nuts. And, and so I think I started experimenting from that. So, yeah. From crazy colored socks to what was the which next, the what way, was the next weird experiment? Which by the way, which survives today. I do not own a plain colored pair of socks. I actually, I, I actually do not own a pair. Well, weird is the new cool. It, well, so now, yeah, I guess so. I guess I, fi- I finally, it finally caught up with me. And I think that I'm, I kind of have a Groucho Marx point of view about myself. You know, Groucho Marx said I would never join a club that would have me as a member, you know? Uh, so I, I kind of feel the same way that if, if I'm cool, I, 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 I fear for everyone else. Do you have, you have obviously philosophies around leadership and, oh, self-discovery. What, what do you, what do you find to be your money mantra, a money philosophy that has guided you? I've had to learn uh, about money. I've I've had a previously very unhealthy relationship with money, um, where um, I was one of these people who thought money was dirty, and I was embarrassed, um, even ashamed when I when I started to make more of it. Um, Why? I, uh, who knows? You know, I, I I think I think a lot of people in the do good space make this mistake um, because we see we see money around bad people. And, you know, there's this, this, this weird thing that you have to, there's a martyrdom when you do, you know, uh, when you have to do good works and I, it's complete madness and nonsense. And I completely disagree with that. Now money is fuel. This is what I've learned. Um, and it's all fine and good to, to say, I want to drive to California and you build the most beautiful car to get there. But if you don't have fuel, you're not going anywhere. So you can build the perfect organization, the perfect company. You can have vision and ambition and goals and up the wazoo but if you don't have fuel to, to advance anywhere, then then it's all for naught. So money is fuel, and um, and so my my view my views on money are very much guided by seeing money as fuel. That money has never been a goal for me. Um, it, like I don't I don't have like a financial target that I'm going to make this amount of money by this date. But rather, I view it as fuel. So even on our P and L in our company, um, we have no. We have no line item that says profit on the bottom of our P&L. Um, it says freedom. It literally says, how much freedom did we earn this month? And it may be freedom to give it away, freedom to take vacations, freedom to pay our people more, freedom to give bonuses, freedom to give to charity, freedom to say no to clients we don't want to work with and yes to clients who we do want to work with even though they can't afford things. We can drop our prices you know, to, 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 work with, uh, to work with charitable organizations, for example, pro bono work. And you're damn right I want more freedom this month than I had last month. Um, so uh, I, m- m- for me, money, I, I, I don't think about it in terms of money. I think about it in terms of fuel and freedom. That is a first on this show. So it's a first for both of us in some ways. Thank you so much, Simon. This has been really 
beyond expectations, you know, well, obviously started out talking about the importance of finding your why, but really appreciate you going back in time with us talking about your eccentric grandfather. And we love that you wear crazy colored socks. It's why we love you. And you will continue to inspire and connect with people because we're all weird. But some yeah, of us are yeah. just, we're just afraid to show it. You're not. And we appreciate that. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. And thanks for asking the question. I mean, to your credit, like I said, uh, here I am talking about the importance of looking backwards and you're the first person to ask. Well, thanks for the honest answer. Thanks so much to Simon for stopping by. Simon's website is startwithwhy.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Simon Sinek. What'd you think? What's your why? Why don't you let me know? That'd be kind of cool. We could all share and exchange our whys and I think I'm still figuring out mine. I think I know what it is, but I don't know. I'm pretty insecure about nailing down my why. Thanks, Simon. I'm even more confused. But seriously, this is an important question and I think we should all explore this because I think once you figure out your why, some of your financial chips might fall into place. All those things you're worried about affording or thinking about paying for, you might find some inspiration once you discover your why. Listen, if you have any questions for me, I want to hear from you. Go to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh and let me know what's on your money mind. Let me know what's on your why mind. Let's talk about it. If you missed any of this, we've got the transcript and the audio also on somoneypodcast.com. And thanks so much for tuning in. And I hope your day is so money. Money.